I'm Andy Truscott, Program Officer with the Delaware Division of the Arts and your host today. My guest is Carrie-Anne Otano, the Vice President of Engagement at Opera Delaware, located in Wellington, Delaware. Welcome to the Delaware State of the Arts, Carrie-Anne. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here to share a little bit about Opera Delaware with you. I can't wait. You are relatively new to Opera Delaware, yes? That's true. I've only been here for two months. Um, I started at the end of July and it's a new position, Vice President of Engagement. Uh, what I like about this position, I should say what I love about this position, is that my job description is just five words, which is bring people closer to opera. Uh, so basically every day, what I do is things like this, is I talk to people about opera, I help to make it accessible and relatable. Uh, we have a, a huge campaign on social media where we're really focused on memes and TikToks and uh, making opera relatable for people, uh, helping them to understand the plot before they come and see the show. I think that's a huge barrier that prevents people from coming to opera. So my main uh, goal here is to show people that opera is for everyone, maybe not every opera, but the genre of opera has space for everyone and for everyone's stories. Can you share about how you got into the field uh, so that for anyone that maybe is interested in, in learning about opera as a potential career path, that they can kind of understand the different ways in? Yes, absolutely. So I was always a, a bit of a ham growing up. I was very big in musical theater. Uh, growing up on Long Island, I loved to go see Broadway shows, but I also innately knew that I did not know how to dance. And that's something that you have to realize about yourself, right? You have to realize that tap is not in your future. So maybe Broadway baby is not going to be it for me. Um, I met an amazing woman. She was 77 when we met. She took my hand after a, a musical that I was doing in high school. And she said, honey, you have to learn how to sing opera. And she became my voice teacher. Uh, and she was a huge part of my life and my my development. I think opera is something that is not really taught in schools. We don't really dive into it deeply. And so it seems really intimidating, but to have someone hold your hand and walk you through it, uh, to have someone introduce you to it uh, so lovingly really made a huge difference for me. And then I went to see a Broadway show. I'm um, sorry. I went to see a show at the Metropolitan Opera. I saw Carmen and the woman singing Carmen it was the first time I saw someone on stage who looked like me, who was kind of like curvy and buxom and a little thick. Um, and the way that she sang was this like fearless, unbridled, her voice was huge. And I always felt like in musical theater and in choir, I was trying to make my voice smaller. And so it just felt like I had found a place where what I did intrinsically and naturally, how I expressed myself and how I told stories could fit in. Uh, I ended up living in Italy for a year I went to the Conservatory of Music in Milan uh, and studied opera and, and studied Italian. I went to Indiana University and Manus for my undergrad and master's. And then I began working professionally. I sang professionally as an opera singer for 10 years, mostly at the Kennedy Center, at Opera San Jose, at the Metropolitan Opera. Um, back in 2019, and I'm always just very uh, honest and vulnerable about this because it really was a changing, a turning point in my life. Um, in 2019, I was singing at the Met and I was having daily panic attacks, horrific panic. I'd never experienced anything like it. I was so positive um, that I did not belong in that space, that this like biracial girl that I was maybe just there for a quota or I was maybe just there because they wanted someone else and I was a backup. I just didn't think I was worthy. And I was having these hor this horrible anxiety. 
And as a performer, um, that's something that's sort of just ingrained into being an opera singer is that you're going to be, you're going to have stage fright. You're going to have post-show blues. It's just a normal part of the life cycle of a singer. And for me, I think we have to phase that out. We have to talk about it. We have to come up with solutions because you're isolated as, a, as an opera singer. You're on the road. You're often living out of a hotel room. Uh, you don't have connections to the community that you're singing in. And so when you feel overwhelmed, there's nowhere to turn. And so as a result, we lose a lot of amazing singers to anxiety and depression. Uh, so it became my mission to advocate for singers, to provide singers with free tools that they can use on the road, um, things that they could utilize when they didn't have insurance, as most singers don't. Um, to protect themselves and to work that training in early on. So that sort of created my pivot into administration uh, was that advocacy. Um, I also uh, became a board member with Seagull Festival in upstate New York, which was the first company that hired me. Uh, and I helped them initiate their DEI uh, work. I can help connect them with a uh, with a DEI consultant. We redid their language, we redid their model. Uh, and their mission. Uh, and I believe that that can be done at companies of all different sizes uh, to just really assess what it is that we need to do now to connect with singers and audiences in a meaningful way to make sure that this art form is not something that's kept in a museum or thought of as elitist, but something that is for the people. Um, because the opera singers who are doing it are complicated, amazing, fascinating people breathing life into these stories. And I want them to be the focus of uh, I want them to be the reason that people come to the opera house. You should be excited to see the stories that these artists want to share with you and to connect with them in a really, a, a really real way. I think one of the barriers sometimes can be that to your point, the story might be dated. The, the concept might be dated, but these actors, these artists are often our young age uh, and are doing this because this is something they innately love and want to take you on this journey with them. I know we've been seeing a lot of new operas coming out. Uh, and I think that's, that's something for probably a few decades we didn't see a lot of. We saw a lot of the Met or these other organizations really leaning heavily into presenting or performing the classics because that's what was expected. But on our new generation of artists, we're now seeing new work. Um, has that been your experience within the the opera world? And if so, is that something you can talk a little bit about uh, the difference between performing a classic and performing a new work? Oh, absolutely. I'm a huge advocate for contemporary opera. Um, I'm a I adore musical theater. And I think that contemporary opera is more similar to musical theater, to the, to the brilliance of like a Sondheim, you know, um, the way that these contemporary composers are weaving melody and story. Um, there are some incredible ones that are out right now. I mean, Dead Man Walking is one of my favorite. I think it, it creates really fascinating conversation about the death penalty. Um, I think Scalia Ginsburg is a super fun way to connect with people and, uh, across the aisle sort of politically, um, which is really fun. And to understand, I think that that opera, that art and theater are about building community and about building empathy. It's about seeing the world from someone else's eyes or through someone else's voice. And I think that's so powerful. Um, I was part of a lot of workshops of contemporary operas when I was at WNO, Washington National Opera at the Kennedy Center. And also when I was at Fort Worth Opera 
in Texas. This year with Opera Delaware, we're going to be workshopping a new contemporary American opera by the composer of Scalia Ginsburg. Uh, he wrote a new opera called Fearless. It's a music drama about uh, the first female aviators. Um, and it's going to be an incredible, I, it just makes me so excited to be the platform that gives voice to these stories, right? Opera, when people think about opera, they think about, and understandably so, they think about one, Bugs Bunny and Elmer Fudd doing that cartoon a hundred years ago. They think about uh, a Nordic woman with Viking horns singing about Valhalla. They think about a, a Pavarotti, right? There are some images that you conjure. The images that you conjure are not necessarily biracial girl with big hair and freckles from Long Island, right? It's not necessarily the people who are actually doing opera these days. And we want to tell the stories of those people. We want to tell the stories of the communities that we're trying to connect with. You know, another amazing contemporary opera is called Blue. And Blue deals with police brutality. Um, and one of the main characters in it is a Black police officer confronted with that, dealing with that. Um, another fantastic opera, Falling in the Rising, um, deals with uh, life in the in the service, in the military, that connection. And it utilizes, when it's performed, a local uh, choir of active and former military. I think opera is about connecting to the community, reflecting your stories, reflecting what you believe in, what you want to see. And we get so much of that with contemporary opera. Now, the the old school opera ties us to our past. It ties us to a different time period, which is fascinating. It can be updated, but these stories, stories of love and deceit, stories of revenge, these are timeless. These are things that you can, that you still see today. I mean, later in the season, we're doing Traviata. And I've been thinking so much about the fact that La Traviata by Verdi is essentially the same story as Pretty Woman, and essentially the same story as the mu musical Moulin Rouge. Uh, and these things that you enjoy, imagine just seeing it in a different light, right? Imagine just experiencing Shakespeare, but sung. I mean, it's just, I just find it so exciting to be in the room with opera singers, with these artists, to consider that, um, you know, you could be at home. You could be at home, you could be binging something by yourself, or you can come to the opera with 500 strangers and watch literally a hundred people live make art for you. The singers, the stagehands, the orchestra, watch these people create something and tell you a story that they think is important and that they think will make you think and feel. I just find that so exciting. And I, I hope that everyone finds the joy of theater. If it's not opera, I hope it's musical theater. I hope it's Delaware Shakes. I hope you're going out and supporting theater because it's so vital for your development as a human being to experience these emotions and to, to grow in empathy and community. And to your point, these are common themes that we see everywhere. The, the same emotion of you know lust, greed, love, loss, but sometimes we as humans need to relate to that in a different medium. And so that might be movies, that might be reading a book, or it could be opera, or it could be musical theater. And so often these are the catalysts for humans to feel and to come to terms with their feeling or their emotion, or potentially discovering something new about them or their community. And so I love that that's what 
uh, brings the arts together. And that's what brings us collectively together to share in the joy of, of not only the performing arts, but the visual arts, any kind of art at that case. You've been here in Delaware for a few months. What are some of the uniquities, not a word, not a word, of <laughs> Delaware? And maybe what are some of the things that you've learned about your time here? Yes. So I have lived all over the place. I lived in DC for a couple of years. I'm originally from New York. I was in Memphis the last two years. I was in San Jose, California before that for three years. I lived in Italy. She's been around. She's been around the block a couple of times. Um, what I love about Delaware is that in the two months that I've been here, I've been to a couple of leadership conferences, a couple of community meetings, rotary clubs, and I'm seeing so many of the same people. And what that tells me is that the people here in Wilmington are so dedicated uh, and so enthusiastic about what's happening in Wilmington. That's really the kind of community that I want to put down roots in because a community for me, honestly, Andy, I will tell you is everything. Um, giving back, connecting with people. The way that I connect with people is through music, but it's all about connection. Um, it's all about taking people from the, the mundane, from the day to day and giving you something spectacular. You know, I, I just... I find it so thrilling to be a part of that. And as I'm having these conversations with leaders in, in Delaware, with senators, with, with people with great influence, um, to get them excited about this because they are so enthusiastic about the way that they're serving Delaware. This is just another layer of that service. Uh, and that's really how I view the arts. The arts are service for the community, for the community to grow, to grow together, to grow as people. I love being part of that. I want to take just a minute here to remind our listeners that you're tuned into News Radio 1450 WILM and 1410 WDOV for Delaware State of the Arts. Coming up, Opera Delaware has a really robust and one might say one of the largest seasons uh, that is set to come on the, the road here in Wilmington, but also statewide. Tell me a little bit about what uh, excites you the most and what brought you to Opera Delaware. Yes. So I will tell you. Um, what I am so excited about with Opera Delaware is I think that the pandemic um, really gave Opera Delaware a chance to take a step back, not focus on the, the constant need to put out product and create opera, um, but to, to really reevaluate who we're trying to be in the community uh, and what we're trying to say. Um, so during the pandemic, we got a, a substantial grant from PNC Arts Alive and the Presser Foundation that supported us purchasing um, a state-of-the-art beautiful mobile opera stage with lighting, with a little air-conditioned green room for the artists. And as someone who has been all over and sung these sort of pop-up style concerts all over, I will tell you that Opera Delaware does it different. I will tell you that what Opera Delaware does that what, what makes it so special is that we are bringing our main stage artists, our top tier talent out into the community, and they are giving top tier performances. This is not a watered down, you know, I'll get up and I'll sing a, a pretty little song for you. This is, we want to give you the experience where you are. We want to meet you where you are and show you that opera is fun. It's exciting. It's loud. It's emotional. It's going to make you feel something. Um, and it's not as intimidating as people think. And I think the thing that's so captivating about artists is that the storytelling 
is head to toe. It's not just the voice. It's not just the words. They're acting. They're expressing. Opera is all art forms put together, right? Um, so even if you don't understand the exact words that they're saying, you as a human being will connect with that emotion. And that's so, so powerful. So even these pop-up opera performances that we're doing, that we do at schools, at farmer's markets, um, we're doing one upcoming at the Wilmington Hope Commission. Uh, we do a lot with the neighborhood choir program with Wilmington Children's Chorus. Um, all of these give us an opportunity to not only bring opera out into the community and meet people where they are, but also to introduce the community to the opera singers uh, in a way that's really fun and informal. So I'll interview the singers and we'll get them to, to share a bit of background about why they wanted to present this piece, why they wanted to become an opera singer. I think that that is fascinating for an audience. And I think it gives the audience more of a sense of ownership of the art form, that they're part of this, that you know the people who are making it and they're right here in your backyard here in Wilmington. You don't have to go to the Met to see an opera. You have high quality right here in your backyard. So I'm thrilled about the pop-up opera program. I'm so excited about what we're able to do with that thanks to these incredible grants that we received. Um, for our main stage season, we have Cosi Fantute, which is Mozart's uh, fantastic satirical comedy romp. We're doing that at the end of October on the 28th and 30th at the Grand Opera House. Uh, Cosi Fantute is uh, kind of a controversial work by Mozart. A lot of his other pieces were popular right from the get, and this one was, was not. The people did not like Cozy right away, but it has grown hugely in popularity over time because what it examines is the relationship between men and women and the, the complexity of that relationship, the, uh, the playfulness, the silliness, the campiness of that relationship. So it's a lot of disguises. It's a lot of buffo, which uh, just means comedy um, in Italian. And it's very, it's very, very fun. Uh, and not to mention the singing in Cosi Fantute is exquisite. It's some of the most beautiful music that Mozart ever wrote. Um, but you also get a good laugh at the same time. So I highly recommend coming to check out Cosi Fantute in October. Throughout the winter, we have uh, these artist curated recitals. Um, the artist curated recitals are the Sunday Spotlight series here at the Opera Delaware Studios, uh, and also a Valentine Cabaret that's going to happen twice on February 12th and February 14th with Tony Marie Palmer Tree. Um, the studio recitals, the fact that they're artist curated, again, to me, is another chance to bring people closer to opera because these artists are choosing the rep that they're going to present to you, and they'll explain to you why they chose that rep, whether it's a personal connection, whether it's a, a, a milestone, a goal that they set for themselves. I want to learn how to sing this piece. It's very challenging. I just think it adds an extra layer of, uh, of connection between the artists and the audience. In the spring, we're doing La Traviata by Verdi. As I mentioned, that shares the same story as Pretty Woman, as Moulin Rouge. It's the story of a courtesan um, who falls in love and uh, thinks to turn her life around before realizing that there are, that love is not necessarily enough. Um, it's a beautiful tragedy um, and the beauty is in the tragedy. So uh, bring a box of tissues, but definitely check out La Traviata. Uh, and then we'll be closing out our season with Fearless, which is a workshop by uh, the composer of Scalia Ginsburg, Derek Wang. Fearless uh, is 
going to tell the story of Hazel Ying Lee, who was a trailblazing aviator of the Women's Air Force Service Pilots. Uh, so we'll be doing a workshop of that. And it's just an exciting time again for our audience to see sort of behind the scenes. What's the process of creating a new opera? How much input do the artists have? Uh, and we need feedback truly from our audience of how they're receiving the story. So that's almost like a more of an interactive part of our season where you can share with us, how did, how did you feel about this new work? Um, and what an exciting moment. I mean, imagine being on the ground floor when Puccini wrote La Boheme. Imagine being the first people to hear that. We have that opportunity here with New Contemporary Opera. Uh, and I hope that people are as excited to experience as, as I am. You had mentioned two locations there. So the Grand, many of our listeners probably know, is in the 800 block of Market Street in Wilmington, Delaware. The other being Opera Delaware Studios. Can you tell us where that is and how audiences can navigate getting there should they want to come see one of those performances? Oh, yes. So uh, Opera Delaware Studios are located on 4 South Poplar Street in Wilmington. We're just a couple minutes away from the Grand Opera House. We're on the Riverwalk. Um, we're right by the river market. I like to walk over there every day and get myself a little empanada. Um, so when we do our, our concerts, they're right here in our studio. We have two spaces, a black box theater and a rehearsal space that are ideal for our rehearsals, but also ideal for these type of intimate recitals uh, where you can experience the singers in a space that's that's so kind of exposed and vulnerable, but also really, really comfortable and free. Um, so those concerts happen in our space. We have them scheduled November, December, January, and then the uh, February Valentine's concert is also going to be happening here in our studio space. Your website's operade.org. Uh, if they just go on social media, they just need to type in Opera Delaware and they'll find y'all all, all over the place. You will find us on Facebook. You will find us on Instagram. You will find us on TikTok. We're doing very big things. I was going to say, I, I saw the TikTok one the other day and went, good for you. You know, <laughs> you know I just want to encourage people to, to keep growing, keep developing, um, stay curious, try new things. It might not be opera, but there's just so much to experience here in Wilmington. I think people would be shocked to find out all there is right in their backyard. So keep exploring what Wilmington has to offer you.